Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. So we are now in week four of this of the series called uh, The Gifts of the Spirit. If you, if you haven't been around, this has been an incredible, incredible series. I, I believe this is one of my, uh, my, my favorite series that I've ever had to teach through or preach through. And man, God has been doing some powerful and mighty things. We have seen uh, the Lord bring healing in our services. We've seen the Lord speak prophetically. We've, seen, we've heard last week the Lord give uh, a tongue and interpretation. And if this is all... Like, like a different language to you. Don't worry, we're going we're gonna to explain a lot of stuff. Uh, but, but the reason why we're walking through this is because we fully believe that the God that we serve did not die just 2,000 years ago, and now we just tell the story of a great man who lived. We believe that the Lord is still alive, that Jesus is sitting on the throne, and that he's given us his spirit, that he is among us, and that he desires to do powerful things, that the reason why Jesus went to the cross wasn't so that you could live a better moral life, but he went to the cross to bring freedom to all people, and that doesn't happen when you die in the heaven. That starts here and now, and he's in the process of inaugurating a kingdom that is of freedom, of peace, of justice, and we believe that everything in the scriptures are for us. So this is a, a great season to be in the body of Christ. God is doing some powerful things, but I'm going to be completely honest. As we've been navigating through this series, uh, I've kind of had some, some, some things come up, and I've been thinking of, of uh, when, I, when I was a, a parent of infants, or when I had little babies in the house, and you remember that time where you knew you had to get your kids vaccinated, uh, that, that kind of, you had it on the calendar, like, oh, this is the doctor's appointment, they're going to get three shots, it's going to be the, the most dreadful moment of my life, like, they're going to be looking at me and saying, why, like, why are you doing this to me? Uh, there, there has been a little bit of that feeling walking through this series, because I'm just like, I, I know that when it comes to the, the issue and the teachings of the Holy Spirit, that, that many of us, especially in the American church, that many of us are like, uh, we don't, we like Jesus, we like God, we like talking about about heaven and grace, but oh, the Holy Spirit, he kind of freaks me out. Let's just pretend he's not there. Let's treat him like the step-headed red child. And if you're a step-headed red child, I love you. Nothing but loves and hugs, all right? So uh, I apologize for that. But, but th- there's been a, a bit of that, walk, that, that feeling walking through this, because I know we're all at different places, but uh, I, I, I know, like when I was taking August or, or Desi to the, to the doctor to get their shots, there was never a moment where I was like, well, you guys are going to enjoy this, right? Like, like I, I knew that there is, although there may have been some slight discomfort at the inception, there is going to be a long-term benefit. And I'm fully convinced that the same is true of this series. There may be some moments of discomfort. We're trying to navigate issues that we haven't navigated through as a church since I've been here for almost 10 years. Crazy to think like that, right? Like over seven, man, crazy. But uh, the, the reality is this is for our benefit. I believe that there's an ailment in the church, and it's this, that, that we are completely content with being powerless and purposeless, and we are completely content with, with being a church that is performance-driven, and I'm not saying MWC, I'm just saying as I, as I span across what I see in the Christian faith, there, there's purposelessness, there's powerlessness, and, and there's just like a performance-driven mentality, and I feel that the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time for my church to be the powerful beacon that it was called to be. It's time for my church to have purpose. It's time for my church to not just be performance-driven, how, how can I live better for the Lord, but it's time for us to understand that we have grace in Christ, and that he's given us every power and authority that we will ever need. That, friend, you 
are called to do incredibly powerful things, that, that the, the, the abilities, the, the spiritual gifts are not just for a select few. They're not just for those who stand behind a pulpit who have REV in front of their name. It's for the body of Christ, that we are a priesthood of believers. In fact, the Bible tells us that explicitly. The Lord says that you are a royal nation, that you are a holy priesthood. That the days that we used to look at in the Old Testament where only one could go and, and make uh, re- repentance for, for it all, those days are long gone. We are all called to go to Jesus. We are all called to get marching orders from our Savior. That we are equipped that he's given us everything we need and that we need his Holy Spirit. We need his Holy Spirit. So what do we believe? We believe this. We believe in the full counsel of the word of God. I know that there's some that when they, when they hear, maybe you were raised in a tradition where they were like, uh, we, don't, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. We don't hang out with the Holy Spirit. Like, uh, let, let me say this. Maybe you've been taught that the moment you say you're gonna be led by the Spirit that you're no longer gonna be led by the word of God. I don't believe that at all. I believe that it's possible to be led by the Spirit and continue to uphold that the Bible is the inspired word of God. So we've said this. We believe in the full counsel of God's word, that there is nothing in here that is, that is is not as authoritative as anything else. We believe in the full counsel of God's word and we preach the full gospel. That leads us to believe that there is nothing in this Bible that we believe is not for us. That when we read through the book of Acts, we're not reading historical accounts of what happened in the early church. That's not the only thing that we're reading. We're also reading stories that should be our stories. That when we see Peter and John walking through the temple and literally bringing some, some, some man who was born crippled to, back to his feet and he's able to walk, we believe that those same miracles are available for us who believe that, that we have the power, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished. We have the power through the power of the Holy Spirit to raise dead lives back and to, to bring healing and to see, like we could walk into, into any hospital and say, you be, be healed in the name of Jesus and we are expecting and believing that that stuff can happen. Am I alone in this place? Do we believe that this is possible? It's for us. These, these stories are for us and it's time for the church to say, it's, it's, it's my story. It's my story. We also believe in handling them, the gifts of the spirit, with love Self-control. Somebody say amen after I say self-control. Love, self-control, and to the glory of God. Amen. So let's go ahead and, and jump in. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. This is where we've been camping out for the last couple of, of weeks, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Now, when I say spiritual gifts, there's multiple places you could turn to to find a list of spiritual gifts. You can look at Ephesians chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, Romans chapter 12, or and or 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we've decided as a church to go ahead and spend our time mainly in 1 Corinthians 12, not because it's a favorite chapter, uh, but because it has the most gifts listed in one area of Scripture. If we were to go through all of the New Testament and identify where every single spiritual gift, there's over 20 of them, but there's nine specifically laid out for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So the other gifts, they're absolutely important, they're great, but, but we're just going to spend our time in this series looking at 1 Corinthians 12, and we're not going to read that passage I've been doing at the last couple of weeks, but I just want to really quickly list off the spiritual gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, This is 7 through, I believe, verse 12. But here we have them in the order that Paul gives them to us, the word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a a spiritual gift of faith. What is that? Well, come in a couple weeks, you'll find out. Healing, miracles, 
prophecy. Ooh, right? Everybody's discerning spirits. Ooh, spooky stuff. Tongues and interpretations. <laughs> so, I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> Tongues and interpretations. So uh, really, my, my heart is just to, to normalize this. Like We're always like, oh, what is this? Well, we're going to normalize this and, and just understand that God is for us, not against us. So tongues and interpretation. Last week, we said that tongues and interpretation are, man, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. Like these things, those two gifts specifically, uh, fun fact, they were the only gifts that we don't see in the Old Testament, tongues and interpretation. Those are the ones that, they're the only gifts that came after the day of Pentecost in the early church. Uh, But those two go together. Whenever there is a public tongue given, Uh, Now, we're not talking about private prayer, personal tongues. We're talking about private tongues or public tongues. Whenever we're in the gathered body and someone gives a tongue out loud, there should be or there must be, Paul would say, an interpretation of that tongue. And uh, beautiful, it it happened last week. We were able to walk through that last week and what that looked like. This week, we are going to be looking at the spiritual gift of prophecy. Everybody say prophecy. Yeah, I feel like we just got to do like magician hands or something after we say that. But I promise it's not, it's not as uh, mystical as you think it is. It's supernatural, but it's not as mystical as you think it is. If I, if I had to ask you, if you could give a gift to everyone in this church, um, what, what would be the answer to some of that? I think if, if we could give one gift to everybody, how many of you would say, man, I'd be happy if, if someone paid off all of my debt? All right, wouldn't that be awesome? Like if we're just like, hey, by the way, we got a gift for everybody. You open up, there's an envelope underneath your chair and it's like a, an envelope for all the debt that you have. Your house is paid off, your car is paid off. I'm not Oprah, we can't do that. So, um, or, or maybe for you, uh, may, maybe you're just like, I'd be content with just a waffle maker, right? Like, like I, I think if I asked their questions, I think we'd all have different answers. But I, I asked my, my son, August, and my daughter, Aubrey, I recently asked them like, what, what do you guys want for your birthday? On Monday, August is gonna be four years old. Goodness. Crazy. I guess some of the Lion King, when I lift it up, man, it's been a long time. But uh, August is going to be four. Aubrey's going to be four 12 days later. And uh, I've been asking them, what do you guys want for, what do you want for your birthday? If you can have anything, what do you want? And this is the age where they're not, you don't have expensive requests. Like, it's usually like, oh, I just want a, you know, wrapping paper. Thanks. Awesome, right? Like, made my job easy. I asked August what he wanted. He thought about it, thought about it. And he's like, I want a skateboard that also turns into a golf club. So when we go golfing, I can skate, and then I can hit the ball, and then keep skating. I was like, all right, that's a great gift. Dude, I want one of those too, right? So then I was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to find that. It's not on Amazon anywhere, so if any engineers are in the place, you guys can design that. I think August would be happy. But uh, I asked Aubrey what she wants for her birthday, and she's like, she thought about it, thought about it, and she's like, I want boots and dresses. And I was like, how about toys? Nah, boots and dresses. So... Uh, I was like, all right, we'll get you boots and dresses, but you're not leaving the house until you're 30. So four years old, not even four yet, and already asking for boots and dresses. So goodness, my life, I pray for me. Pray for your pastor. But if we ask Paul the same question, Paul, if you could give the church any gift, if you can give us anything, what would that gift be? And he would first respond, my, my, my prayer, my hope is that they would accept the gift of salvation, first and foremost, that we would come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But if we, if we kept prying and say, Paul, what else? Assuming that we all know Jesus, what, what would be the, the greatest gift we could receive? And he would say this, the greatest gift that we could receive would be the spiritual gift of prophecy. The spiritual gift of prophecy. Over four times in scripture, we see Paul elevating above the others The greatest gift in the body of Christ or for the body of Christ is the gift of prophecy. 
Where do we see this? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Here's a few verses where we see Paul making this argument. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he says, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. He says, Love is indispensable, yet I will show you the most excellent way. But look what he says there in the first part. He says, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. There are some gifts that are not necessarily worse, but not as great as others. Every gift is important. Every gift has a part. Like the body of Christ, we all have a place. We have a purpose. We have a part. But there are some gifts that the Holy Spirit desires to give that are, should be more desired than others. He says this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, and also verse 4 and 39. He says this, earnestly pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially, everybody say especially, especially that you may prophesy. Notice that. He, he says, pursue love. Yeah, absolutely, love is of utmost importance. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, but in the church, you should hope and aspire and desire earnestly the gift of prophecy. Continuing on in verse Verse 4, he says, the one who speaks in tongues, and, and we saw already last week how he lifts up this, the importance, the significance. He even says, I, I, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. Like, it's so important for me. But he says this, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. They're edifying themselves. When you pray in tongues in your own time, in your own personal, private, uh, devotional time, you are, you are edifying yourself. You're building yourself up. It's absolutely important, but he says this, but the one who prophesies in the church builds up the church. He's, com he's comparing and contrasting. When you pray in tongues, you are edifying yourself, but when someone gives a word of prophecy, they are edifying and building up the body of Christ. So we see him kind of painting this picture. Moving on, he says this, so my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forget, forbid speaking in tongues earnestly desire to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Now, why is prophecy at the top of Paul's list? I want to be super clear here. Paul is not saying there is a, you know, a royal rumble in heaven and the one who sits at the top with the belt is prophecy, that he's, he's better than all the other gifts and he's beat all the other gifts up. Like, like that. He's not trying to create a hierarchy or a pantheon of, of gifts that they says, like, this one's the best one. If you don't have this one, you're not as good or you're inferior to the others. No, what he's trying to say is that in the context of, the, of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, he's saying when the body of Christ is together. Every gift is important. Like there's going to come a time where uh, the greatest gift that you could receive in that moment is healing. Like there's going to come a point where your arm's broken. You're like, man, I could, you're not going to be thinking to yourself, I could really use the gift of encouragement. No, you need the gift of healing in that, in that moment, right? Like, so so he, he's not saying that, that there aren't going to be times where some gifts are going to take precedence. Absolutely, there are going to be moments like that. But he's saying most often than not, when the body of Christ is gathered, much like we are today, the greatest gift that we could operate in is the gift of prophecy. Suppose there was a gift of healing that manifested here. We would all celebrate, we would all rejoice, but there would be one person who would be celebrating more than us all, the person who just walked through that gift, the person who just experienced the recipient of healing or a miracle. But the gift of prophecy blesses everyone the same. So Paul is saying for the body of Christ, when we're gathered, a word of prophecy is important. 
It's significant. I would illustrate it this way. How many of us understand that oxygen is our most precious resource, right? Like the moment oxygen, oxygen is done, I'm not talking about the channel, I'm talking about the actual, you know, air, okay? Uh, that is our most precious resource. But the moment that's gone, we need it. Right? Like we, we, we recognize it, you begin turning blue. It's like there's things that happen. We need oxygen. But if you were to go to someone who is in the Sahara Desert, they've been wandering for a couple of weeks, they're lost, and uh, you said, hey, I got here just in time. Here's some oxygen. He understands that he needs oxygen, but what he wants in that moment is a cup of water, maybe a map, right? So I would say the same is true of our need for the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, there are moments where we're going to need some gifts other than others, but by and large, our most, uh, the gift that we are, should lean on the most, the spiritual gift that we should lean on the most is the gift of prophecy. So there are certain moments where we will be in need of some spiritual gifts of others, but there still remains one gift in the church that is as fundamental to us as oxygen. It's the gift of prophecy. So at this point in my message, you're like, thanks, pastor. What is it? Glad you asked. What, what is prophecy? What, what is prophecy? The gift of prophecy, uh, the, the greatest definition that I found in my study was uh, by Dennis and Rita Bennett. They are some incredible pastors and authors. They, they write this book. It's called The Holy Spirit in You. If you I, I encourage you to pick up a copy of this, a very practical teaching through the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But look what, look what they have to say. They say the gift of prophecy is manifested or is displayed. So the gift of prophecy is displayed when believers speak the mind of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and not from their own thoughts. Now, let's just unpack that thought for a second. Some in the church have said, well, the, the spiritual gifts are still here, but they have redefined them. So there are some who tried to uh, unspiritualize the gifts of the Spirit and tried to kind of make them normative in the body of Christ. And they say, well, prophecy is what the pastor does every single week when they're preaching. Preaching is a form of prophecy, to which I would say maybe, but not really. Now, prof now, preaching is absolutely important. We see Paul say time and time again to Timothy, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. However, prophecy is different. Why? Because preaching, although it comes from the mind of God, the word of God, or at least preaching should come from the word of God, although it comes from the word slash mind of God, it's still rooted in the intellect of the one who is proclaiming. I wrote this sermon. The Holy Spirit did not put me in a trance and lift me. I don't care what you think about your pastor, but he didn't like put me in a trance and just like download a bunch of information into my head. Like it's just, it's just not the way it worked. I, I, I prayed and I sought the Lord and I got into the word and I spent some time and, and he revealed things to me. Yes, absolutely. But by and large, this message is coming from the intellect of yours truly. Prophecy is something different. It's the mind of God, it's the thoughts of God, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, not from my own thoughts. There are moments where a prophecy would be the, the Lord just deposits something in your mind and you are just faithful in speaking that out and you're just like, I, I just sense the Lord saying this and it's way out in right field. It's not what you were thinking of. It's, like, it's almost like you just it, just, it just came into your mind. That is the Holy Spirit just dropping something onto your mind and, and proclaiming that would be an aspect of prophecy. So he says this, it is supernatural speech in a known language publicly brought to a group of believers. So prophecy, one more time, prophecy is manifested when the believers speak the mind of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not from their own thoughts. 
And I believe that today, the Lord desires to use us and to be recipients and be blessed by the gift of prophecy. I, I know that when we dismiss and when we take a moment where we pray together as a church, and that's what we're gonna do, we're gonna take a moment, we're gonna worship here at the end of my message, we're gonna just let the Holy Spirit speak to us, and I know that there's gonna be someone in here who the Holy Spirit is just gonna drop something, and you're gonna be like, no, that's coming from my own mind, and my prayer is that you don't talk yourself out of what the Holy Spirit's trying to do, that you submit to that, you yield to him, and you just speak out in faithfulness, and I promise you that everyone will be blessed. If anyone has gone to our Saturday night service, you understand that Saturday night, we love Saturday night, it's a quieter group, right? So, so the, the, the excitement that we have here, no, I shouldn't say excitement, but just the, the charisma that we all display. Maybe it's because it's Sunday morning, right? And we're all just waking up and Saturday night's getting ready to go to bed. I don't know what, what, what the thing is. But Saturday night is not as, as exuberant as it is on Sunday morning. But did you know last night, even though the group is not as loud and rambunctious as you all on Sunday morning, we had a word of prophecy. It wasn't crazy. We weren't doing backflips down the rows or anything like that, but we just, we, we just paused and we allowed the Holy Spirit to speak and we encouraged and someone gave an, a powerful word. And it was almost corrective in nature, which in my opinion would be like, Saturday night would probably be more encouraging than anything, but it was, it was almost corrective. And the word was, don't resist. Don't keep me at an arm's length, but embrace all that I have for you. I have nothing but good things for you. I mean, it was just It was just beautiful. Everyone was receiving. I actually had the benefit of talking to a guy who's newer to our church. And he, like, he, we, we, I prayed for him after service and he's just weeping. He's like, God is real. He's doing powerful things. I need to be around. That is all because the gifts of the spirit are moving in the body of Christ. So give God some praise. That's awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> but prophecy in the Old Testament. So prophecy in the Old Testament looked different than prophecy in the New Testament. Prophecy in the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord would usually come upon somebody. And notice that in, in every single time you see that somebody is used by the Spirit, it would say that the Spirit came upon, it, meaning it would, it would come and rest upon temporarily for a specific season or situation. Remember that. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody. And it would usually use them to bring a specific word, usually a word of correction or a word of warning where maybe perhaps the prophet Jeremiah or Isaiah like Israel, if, if you don't repent, if you don't turn away from, from this and return to the Lord, then this is gonna happen. Like it was usually somebody, the Holy Spirit would rest on them, the Lord would give them a message and they would deliver that to the people. It was usually a warning of, of looming judgment. And the New Testament was, it's completely different. In the New Testament, prophecy in the Old Testament was to warn people against judgment. But in the New Testament, prophecy in the New Testament is to draw people closer to Jesus. So there's never going to come a point in, in today, prophecy is never going to be turn and burn. Right? It's never going to be anything like, like that, that, is, that is judgment in nature because the judgment already happened 2,000 years ago upon the cross it's gonna be something that is more, let's turn towards Jesus. Now, there may be moments where it'll be corrective in nature, where there's gonna be, hey, let's, let's, get some, let's figure some things out, church, I love you, blah, 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 but um, that's never gonna be given without hope and love. So um, there's a, a big distinctive. And I was recently reading uh, in Numbers chapter 11 of a time when uh, we saw prophecy happen. Like, not from a prophet, but we saw prophecy happen in the, in the people of God, among the people of God. In Numbers chapter 11, we see this story where Moses 
is absolutely exhausted by the people of, of Israel. He's just like, I, I'm done with you. I'm about to leave you guys in like a corner and just go on my own and uh, I'll go to the promised land. You all can stay out here. You're crazy, right? Like he's just fed up with Israel. He's exhausted. He's burnt out. Uh, and you know what? Leaders never feel that way about pe- a group of people, but uh, somehow Moses did. Uh, but there came a point where, where, where Moses was, was just exhausted and he went to the Lord and he's like, God, I, I'm about to tap out. I, I can't do this anymore. I, I need you to help me. I, I need something to happen. And the Lord looked at Moses and said, Moses, this is what I'll do. I've given you my Holy Spirit. You are the one who's called to lead these people, but I'm gonna go ahead and take a portion of the spirit that I've given you and you select 70 other qualified individuals and I will give them a portion of that spirit and they can help you lead this nation. Moses said, thank you, God, let's do it. So I don't know how it happened. I don't know if the Lord pulled out a Holy Spirit syringe, extracted a little bit, and then they, they called 70 other people, but that's exactly what Moses did. He called 70 other people. They, they, 68 of them were the ones who received the invitation in the mail, and it's, two of them did not, must have not get, gotten the, the invitation. El Dad and, and Me Dad. Uh, I don't know where they were doing, but what kind of cool, those are some weird names, Dad, El Dad, Me Dad. I don't know what they were doing. But they were, they were probably hanging out in Joshua's tent playing some Wii U or something, right? So they're hanging out there. And at that same time, everybody came to the tent of meeting, which is where Moses would meet with the Lord. And the 68 showed up there, and the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they all began to prophesy. Well, the two other of the 70, Eldad and Medad, who did not show up to the tent of meeting, that were hanging out in Joshua's tent watching NFL. Maybe it was NFL Sunday or something happening. Football was happening. But they were hanging out in Joshua's tent, but the Holy Spirit fell on them too. And it says that the men who were at, at the tent of meeting, they all began to prophesy. And then it says this did not happen again. But it says also that Eldad and Medad began prophesying. And Joshua, the narc that he is, put down the controller, ran, to, ran over to Moses and said, Moses, they're prophesying like you do. And this is what Moses responds in Numbers 11, 28 and 29. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' age since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, lowercase l, so Moses, my, my master, uh, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? Do you think I want to have a monopoly on, on prophecy that I should be the only one that should prophesy and lead in the, in the body? Are, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them all. He was, although he was just speaking, he was speaking inspired words because, my friend, he was speaking about a time that would happen and that is here now where the Spirit of God comes upon on salvation. And then we too are qualified to be individuals, men and women, who speak the words of God. That the gifts of the Spirit aren't reduced for one, but they're available for all. That the entire body can benefit. That we could be empowered and equipped for mission. That we don't have to... Uh, 
I once had someone say, hey, pastor, there is somebody who, who I've been wanting to talk to, to, to about Jesus. Would you mind coming with me? And I'm like, why do I need to come with you? And they said, because you're the pastor. And I said, I may be the pastor, but the same spirit of God that saved me from, from, from death and the same spirit of God that resides in me is the same spirit of God that you have. You go tell your friend about Jesus. Like, like it's not just reserved for a few group of people in the church. We are all called to be the body of Christ. We are all called to be those who speak to others about Jesus, to be prophets. So in Scripture, however, we see nine functions of prophecy. Nine functions. I want to just list them out for us right here. So why does prophecy function today, or how does prophecy function today? There's nine ways. The first one is this. Prophecy is is an expression of love. Everybody say love. Prophecy is an expression of love. Of love. Where do we see this? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2. Paul says, literally, if I have the gift of prophecy, and if I can fathom all mysteries, and if I and if I can speak inspired words of knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. I am nothing. The word love there is that word agapeon, which is literally this unconditional love. It's it's a love that that knows no bounds, a love that does not end. He's saying this, that that if I can give a word of prophecy and I cannot also wrap that in the wrapping of love, then that is useless. So my, my caution, my encouragement to you is that God will never give you a prophetic word if you don't desire to love the people who are receiving it. It will always, always, always be wrapped in love. That phrase that he uses, I am nothing, literally means I am garbage. There is zero return on the investment. So a word of prophecy as manifested in the body will always be wrapped in love. Even the person giving it is gonna gonna have a heart and a passion for the body of Christ. The second one is this. Prophecy builds, encourages and consoles the church. We're getting super practical here. We're teaching. Prophecy builds, encourages, and consoles the church. Where do we see this? 1 Corinthians 14, look what it says. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and consolation. Upbuilding literally means growth for their strengthening. So whenever anyone gives a word of prophecy, it's intended to grow, to strengthen. It's also intended to encourage. The Holy Spirit is never going to lead someone to give a prophetic word that says, you're all garbage. Just go ahead and stop coming to church because I don't care about you. Like that, That's just not going to be a word of prophecy. That's never going to be the Spirit of God. It's because that's not encouraging. That's, just build, that's, that's, that's not even upbuilding. That's tearing down. So the Spirit of God is always going to give, through the word of prophecy, something that is upbuilding, encouraging, and consoling. Now, let me again say, are there going to be times where there's going to be correction? Absolutely. How many of you are good parents? How many of you have had to correct your own kids? Right? You, you, that is encouraging when you're correcting your kids. Like, hey, let, let's not go that direction. Let's go this direction. Right? Um, so there are going to be moments where the Spirit of God will correct, but he's going to have a lot more patience than you do with your kids and that we do with our kids. Right? Uh, he's not going to just slap them upside the head, but, but there, there might be a word of correction. But, but here's the thing when it comes to prophecy, a word of correction will always be followed with a next step and hope. Whenever the Holy Spirit gives a word of correction, there is going to be hope offered. 
There's going to be a, a, a way to, to, to get back to where the Lord wants us to go. So, uh, but continuing in that verse, he says this, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesy builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies, and I would add the context would be the one who prophesies in church or in the body during a, a service is greater than the one who speaks in tongues during a service, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Last night, there was a question that was asked that when we have a tongue and an interpretation, is that interpretation prophecy? And my answer would be yes. Whenever there is a tongue and interpretation, that interpretation has the nature of a word of, uh, of prophecy. So uh, what, what is the difference between a tongue and interpretation and prof- a prophetic word? And I would say this. When there is no public tongue and there is just a word, that is usually just a prophecy. When there is a tongue and interpretation, that interpretation is prophecy. That makes sense? But he also says this. So the three marks that we have, that they're in, uh, prophecy should always be something that's building up, strengthening, encouraging, uh, consoling, something that's comfort, comforting. We also know that prophecy, it's good to hear in church. It's good to hear in the body of Christ. Paul says in verse 6 of chapter 14, 1 Corinthians, he says this. Now, brothers and sisters, if I came to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge, or prophecy, or word of instruction. He continues on to say, uh, in that same portion of Scripture, starting in verse 7 through 11, he gives these illustrations. He says, like, how, how good is it if, um, if, if, if everyone has an instrument and everyone is playing their own separate note? No, unless there is a clear guide, a clear instruction, then it's just a bunch of music. No one will ever be able to identify the song. He also says, suppose there is a, a bugle. If it doesn't give the clear sound, how many, will, how many people would, be, would know that it's time for, for battle? So he's, he's trying to bring this illustration to say that a word of prophecy should always be clear and understandable. Um, no one should prophesy and just say, I just feel that there's hamburgers in your future. And you're like, what? Like, that is so obscure and bizarre. Uh, I, I would say, like, in those moments where someone is feeling like there is just a very obscure word that maybe you're receiving or you're giving, the next step would be, hey, can, let's just bring some clarity to this. Like, what, what is the Spirit saying? Now, there have been moments where the Lord gave me, like me and a friend in college one time, we're just praying, and the Lord gave us a, a specific location. He's like, I, I want you guys to go there. That's very mysterious and obscure, like, ooh, prophecy. So we're just like, all right. Lord, we're just going to be faithful. So we were faithful and we went there. And what we realized is we were stepping in obedience. The Lord began to reveal more and more of what our, our marching orders were really. Um, so, so we got there and the Lord just gave, uh, gave my friend, he gave us a, an image of, of who was going to walk by. And the Lord, <clears throat> the Lord said, I want you to, to pray for this individual. And uh, we're like, all right. So we just stood there and we were waiting and we really awkward we felt weird we're just like okay lord we're just being faithful we're hanging out at this corner in springfield missouri in college and we're just hanging out and eventually this kid he had a how to describe him really quick because this is literally the picture that my friend had he's like there's going to be a guy who's going to have a pikachu hat on and we're like what dude and uh, we're like all right fine so we just prayed and we're like all right we'll, we'll wait for this guy i promise you within minutes this guy pikachu he had a pikachu hat on and he was walking down and we're like hey dude um I know this is weird. It's weird to us, okay? Uh, but listen, we're, we're Christians. We love Jesus. We're, we're not trying to 
something out of the ordinary, but, but man, God, God just told us that, that there was gonna be somebody that would walk by and they'd be having, a, they'd wear a Pikachu hat on and, and we just feel like we need, to, we need to pray for you. And he just like stared at us and like anybody would, <laughs> like what is going on, right? Uh, we're like, we're not, we're not trying to scare or anything, but do you mind if we pray for you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, please do. And we're praying for him. And while we're praying, like his, his demeanor just changed and he just like began to like hang his shoulders over and he started weeping, he started weeping. And by the time we were done praying, we, we started talking to him. And like, we're just college students. We've never walked through this. We were just being faithful and obedient to the Lord. And, and he said, I was literally contemplating suicide. And I was on my way to do it. And you guys came here and stopped it. Now I know God loves me. God cares for me. Imagine if, if we said the gifts of the Spirit aren't for us. And that this is, this is us talking. The Spirit of God doesn't do that. He, he stopped talking thousands of years ago when we received the Word of God. Who knows what would have happened? Friends, I'm, I'm here to tell you that prophecy is normal in the body of Christ. We should desire and eagerly seek it out. So we know that prophecy is only as good as it is clear and understandable. So if the Lord gives you something that's just like, this is kind of strange, I don't, know, I, I don't know who it's for or what it is, be obedient in speaking that out, but continue to pray, Lord, give, give, me, give me clarity, give me clarity. Um, prophecy, let me say this, prophecy is not a Christian horoscope. It's not gonna be obscure. You ever read a horoscope and it's just like, uh, don't hang out with so-and-so because so-and-so is gonna do this and you're just like, it's these vague terms, complete, like it's applicable to everybody. Listen, you may be really like, you know, you may be somebody that reads it religiously, uh, but I promise you, if I just took out Virgo and put in Leo, you'd be like, oh, it's, it's me, it's me. It's, it's so like, it's so wishy-washy. But uh, in the body of Christ, here, here's something true. In the body of Christ, the enemy loves to... Uh, fabricate and counterfeit what the Lord desires for his people. And a horoscope and, and um, these fortune tellers and these tarot cards, like that is all a fabrication, a counterfeit of what the Holy Spirit truly desires to do. In the body of Christ, we don't consult horoscopes. We don't consult tarot cards. We don't go and find our, our psychic readings. I don't care if Miss Chloe calls you and says, hey, I got a word for you. It's not from the Lord. We go to the Lord himself why, why in the body of Christ would we ever consult planets and stars when we know the one who created them? So in the body of Christ, man, we can go directly to the source. God wants to speak to you. And I, don't, I know that there may have been someone who, who made you feel like your, your aunt or your mom was in the room and you just had this incredible spiritual encounter. I'm, I'm here to tell you that that, hear my heart, that in and of itself is rooted in the demonic. The Lord's desire for you is to go to him directly. Your mother or your aunt or whoever you're trying to channel, they are, if they know Jesus, in the arms of their Savior. They're in the best place they can be. They're not thinking about talking to you. They love you. They care for you. But they're more concerned with you knowing Jesus, the one who holds them and cares for them. Anything else is a distraction trying to pull your eyes away from what's important, it's Jesus. Did, did that land, okay? Like the, the Holy Spirit loves us. He's, he's not gonna do anything. Like he, he wants us to go to him as our source. So we know this. Prophecy will always build up the church. Always. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. 
so it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. I'm gonna list these off. Prophecy can instruct or give direction. There may be times where, where you are trying to make a decision like, oh, do I, do I take this job or do I not take this job? There will be moments where the Holy Spirit will speak to someone else and say, hey, I just, I just sense that the Lord is, is saying this. Now, I, I want us to be careful. If the Holy Spirit, if someone says, hey, the Holy Spirit came to me and said, sell your house, um, and that's way out in right field, don't sell your house. The Lord is gonna confirm to you that word. Hear me. Like there, there have been people who have been duped in the church by people who are trying to gain influence and who are trying to be manipulative the response that we should have, if you are the one who you feel the Lord has given you a clear personal directive for somebody, you should taper that with caution and with love and say, hey, I'm coming to you in all humility. I love you. My, my heart is not to, to, to hurt or harm, but I just really sense that the Lord is saying that, that it's okay for you to, 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 to quit your job, but, but let's, let's pray about this and let's pray that the Lord confirms that to you too. That is the heart of a prophet there not trying to manipulate and trying to step up and, and get eyes on them. No, no, no. The heart of prophecy is, is, is humble in nature. So uh, it might give, the Holy Spirit might give through a word of prophecy direct instruction or directions, but he also, um, it's also for the benefit of believers. In 1 Corinthians 14, let's read this real quick, uh, verse 22. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Now, that's not to say that that uh, unbelievers cannot prophesy from, or cannot benefit per, from prophecy, but that's to say that it's mainly a gift of blessing to the body of Christ. Paul continues on speaking about unbelievers or someone who doubts. He says this in verse 24, but if all of you are prophesying and an unbeliever or people who don't uh, understand the meetings, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what? You say, what does that tell us? It tells us that prophecy can lead to salvation of others. I mean, I remember the first time I was going to a, a small Assemblies of God church in, in Maryville, Indiana, and there was a word of prophecy. And at this point in my life, I, I, I was coming to church, but I was going for the wrong reasons. There was, there was a... There's a girl in the youth group, right? And I was, I was going to... Whoever got saved by... <laughs> praise the Lord. I was going, I was going, to, I was going to, to, to the church, church for the wrong reasons, right? And um, I was in a Sunday morning service and a word of prophecy was given. And this, this word of prophecy that was given, it, it like broke me. I was like, oh my goodness, God is real. And, and in that moment, I knew I, I had to make, make things right with the Lord. Like God is alive, he's in this place. It's not like this isn't for my entertainment. God is real. God has been known in, through the gift of prophecy to, to break people who have been uh, at arm's length from him. We said, God, I don't, I don't want you to come closer. Where, where prophecy is a supernatural manifestation where it's just like, oh God, you, you are real and I need to get right. I need to get right. But did you know this, that the, the gift of prophecy also has the, the power and ability through the Holy Spirit to expose thoughts that are secret. How do we know this? In scripture, it says this, verse 25, as they usually the unbeliever as, or, or, the, or the people that are gathered as, as they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship, declaring God is truly here among you. There have been moments in my life where someone comes alongside me and, and, and just delivers this word that is absolutely 
what I'm, I'm navigating or praying through or something that's secret to me. One time, I was uh, at a general council. It's where a bunch of pastors gather every two years and we, we go through some business in the church and things like that. But we have great, powerful sessions, great worship, uh, great preaching. But there was one point where I, I went to the altar for prayer. And in that season of my life, um, I was studying through the, the gospel of Luke. And uh, I was in Luke chapter nine. And, and, and there is a portion in scripture in Luke chapter nine, verse one, where it says that Jesus gave power and authority to his disciples to drive out demons, to perform miracles. I mean, this is a very powerful passage in scripture. But the passage there that, that really struck my interest was that, that, the, that Jesus gave his disciples power and authority. So I was spending, now I think this was like two weeks where I was just dissecting that passage and I was going to the biblical languages of, of, of power and authority. Uh, power is dunamis and, and authority is exusio. And I was, I was going, I mean, I was nerding out. Like I was getting really geeky with the Bible, right? And I was just going through this and studying and studying. Well, I tell you this story because I was at the altar and I was praying and this elderly man who I've never seen before, this elderly black man comes, he's a pastor, I, well, I know, I assume he's a pastor. He just came next to me while I was praying. He laid his hands on me and he just began praying over me. And he just started saying, Lord, I pray that you give this young man your power and authority. The same that we saw in Luke chapter nine, Lord, I, I pray that you would send him out with power and authority. I'm just like, like, yeah, this is great. Like, thank you, Lord. But then he takes it a step further. The Holy Spirit leads him to say, Lord, I pray that, you, that, that, that the dunamis and that the exusio would just, just come from this man's life. And I'm just like, what? Like, like, Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit was using this guy. Like, the, the, like there's thousands of verses in scripture and yet the Lord gave him one specific one to pray over me. That doesn't happen by coincidence. That is the spirit of God trying to encourage me, saying you're on the right path. Keep praying for this. This is for you. I desire to give you authority. I desire to give you power. So what was he doing? He was exposing the thoughts of my heart so that I could fall to my knees in greater worship and surrender. The gift of prophecy is intended to do the same. It's to encourage you to not look at the person who gave the word of prophecy, but to look closer at Jesus. Amen. To draw closer to him and say, Lord, I need you more than I did a few moments ago and I'll need you more in a few moments. God, I, I just need more and more of you. So here's what I want us to do. I want... If the band wants to come forward, I just want us to take some time this, this morning and I want us to, I want us to pray. I, I, we're gonna have the time of worship, but I have been praying for this, this series, this message, because I know that the Spirit of God wants to speak to us. And I know that there may have been some people in, uh, coming into this church today where you felt like the Spirit was already giving you a word. And we're gonna have a moment. We're gonna worship for a moment. And then at the end of worship, we're just gonna give room, we're gonna give pause, and we're just gonna allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. But let me just give you, as a friend, as a pastor, as, as your pastor, let me just give you some, some kind of instruction on, on how this should work. We see Paul say this. In verse 26, he says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. We're in conclusion. He says, when you meet together, one will sing, one will teach, Another will tell some special revelation God has given, which is prophecy. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you, all of us. The gifts of the Spirit are to strengthen the body of Christ. Prophecy does not elevate one person over another. 
if you are being or if you will be used in the gift of prophecy, it's not, it's not to lift you up in the church. If anything, the demeanor, the posture of someone who's being used in the gift of prophecy is to humble themselves even more, that God would consider me worthy to, to encourage the body in such a way. Lord, let me, let me just tremble at your feet. God, you're so good. I mean, it, it should be a, a, a posture of humility. Prophecy is not intended to sound like a fortune cookie. It's clear. It is clear. And we should pray that the Lord would continue to give us clarity. Maybe I, I, there's been moments where, where even the Lord has used me and he gave me just, just a one or two or three word phrase and I'm just like, God, how is this gonna encourage the body of Christ? And, and I just was just faithful in that and I, and I shared the three words. But you know what happens? As I was faithful in sharing those three words, the Lord began to reveal more. So maybe you are just receiving just like a, maybe two or three things you feel like the Lord is telling you to say that. I, I likelihood of, of more being revealed. We once had prayer at, at our church and the Lord gave a, a word of prophecy to a, a, an individual, but it came in the form of an illustration uh, it was, is, is Mary Rager in the place? Mary, I don't want to embarrass you. I, I didn't even ask you this. I apologize. But I, I received one of the most powerful words of prophecy from Mary one time. And we were here. We were all praying. The church was gathered together. And, and uh, Mary one time said this in her, in her beautiful accent. Mary, you have a beautiful accent. But she said, Pasta, I feel that we are a, we are a bird and a cactus. Like, it was beautiful. Like, oh, Mary, it was just so good. Like, I had goosebumps just thinking about it. But, the, but, but it was an illustration. The Lord gave her an illustration that, that, that in her country there is this cactus. And within the cactus, there are, there are certain birds that can fit on, within this cactus. And, and that the cactus is intended to protect, to protect the bird. And, and she just said, I just feel like the Lord is saying to us that, that we are this bird and he is protecting us. It was just like one of those beautiful things. In that moment, I needed to know that God was for me, that he wasn't gonna allow what we were navigating through in the church, which by the way was the building campaign that we were, he was gonna allow harm to befall us. And I needed that in that moment. So there may be a time where maybe it's not a word, but maybe God has just given you an image and you just need to be faithful in speaking that out. Prophecy must not cause the user to become arrogant, but mature and humble. Prophecy can speak out against sin, but it will always offer hope and it be given in love. Prophecy can be personal and directive, but God will always confirm. The more we read through 1 Corinthians 14, we know that prophecy has structure and organization. It's not just willy-nilly, fly by the seat of your pants, say whatever you want. It's, it has structure. Look, look, look at what it says here in verse 29. Paul continues on, he's, he's summarizing. He says, let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying, in verse 30, but if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. It literally means that, that we're not supposed to dominate the space, but we're supposed to just submit to each other and submit to the Lord. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after the uh, another. But remember what he said in verse 29, two or three at the most, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit. So God is not gonna cause you to flail around and scream and run around. Like that, that, that's, that's not the spirit of God. That's, that's, the spirit of God is subject to the prophet of God. 
He's not going to cause you to use language that you don't use. So, uh, like, you're, you're not going to change and just quote King James Version of the Bible. It's going to be natural. It's going to be your intellect. Or it's going to be the, the mind of God through you, the vessel. So don't feel like if you don't have the right words, like, the Lord's going to use your words. He's going to use you. You're just giving freedom for him. You're just choosing to be the vessel in that place. It's going to be instructional and encouraging at its core. But most often than not, prophecy is going to be confirmation of the Lord's goodness and peace. When Katie and I were, when this church was in transition, um, Pastor Lon had transitioned out and the elders were currently navigating the, the search for the next pastor of our, of our church and they were praying through that. And uh, I believe that the Lord continued to give to them, hey, Pastor Steve is, is, is someone that we should be looking at considering for the position. And they never told me and I'm glad they didn't because that would have been not the way the, the board should have handled that. But they were praying, Lord, mate, can you just speak to Pastor Steve? But at the same time, the Lord was speaking to Katie and I like, man, is this time? You got to remember at that time we were 25 years old. Like we were young pastors and uh, we were leading the youth and we were loving what we were doing there. God was doing a great work in the youth ministry. We were just feeling that God was shifting our hearts towards the, the lead pastor, but we didn't want to, we didn't want to just throw our names up that made sense. So we're just like, Lord, if we're going to confirm this. And it's going on and on and on. And there came a point, we were having a special service here. We had a missionary come speak. Um, I, I, Nathan Shank, who is currently an elder on the board, was praying right here in this corner, and I was over there praying. And uh, he came to me afterwards, and, and he said, listen, I just sense that the Lord would, is saying that uh, you need to really trust him that if you've submitted to him, that he will lead you and guide you. Um, I feel that you find yourself in a season where you're questioning your own abilities and, and the Lord would say, don't, don't question your abilities, to trust him, that he's leading you, that he's not gonna lead you astray. And he could have, he could have quoted scripture and scripture would have been absolutely powerful. But in his quoting of this word of prophecy, that is rooted in scripture was absolutely timely and encouraging. It was the next day I sent out an email. I think Mark was letting up or leading up the chair or we, and I was like, we, we'd let him stand, you know, like it, it, but it was, it was through prophecy and through someone's faithfulness of being used in that, that I feel that Katie and I are where we're at today. Friends, God desires to use you and to bless you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to strengthen this body together. So I want us all to just stand. We've got time. We're going to give the Lord some time. We're going to worship him. And then when we sing a few times, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and have the band quiet down. And, and then we're all going to stop singing. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Now, if this is foreign to you, if this is new, if, if you're wrestling, if you're struggling, I promise you the Lord is, is here to help, not to harm. He loves us. He cares for us. We're his children. This is rooted in scripture. But we're going to let him speak. Amen? Let's go ahead and worship. Let's worship him.
let's just go ahead and let's give space for the Spirit of God to speak to his children. Yes, God. Let's go ahead and respond to that. Let's go ahead and respond to that. The word was that, that there is a storm that is coming. And that within this storm, we, we see it, we know it's happening. We know that there is a day where Jesus is returning, but we are finding ourselves in the season of time where, where God has given us everything we need to endure. And that in this moment, we need to be focused on the mission that he's given us. The word was to, to get in his word, to spend time in his word, and to, to give ourselves to his Holy Spirit. Let's just go to that. Father, we commit ourselves to you. Father, if we've lost sight of what is truly happening around us, Lord, if we've allowed the circumstances of life to kind of blind us from what is truly happening, of what's really important, God, would you just open up our eyes? Lord, we humble ourselves. We repent of the times that we're so focused and fixated on ourselves and that when we've lost sight of, of what's actually happening, God, we commit ourselves to you. We turn to you. We, 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 we commit ourselves to your word. Father, may we be individuals that hold ourselves accountable one to another. We need you, Holy Spirit. Come on, let's, let's just all speak out and let's all respond to what he is doing in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Guide us. Open up our eyes, oh Lord. Open up our hearts. Soften us before you, Jesus. May we be the church that you've called us to be. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Can we, can we just give the Lord some praise in this place that he is for us, he's not against us. He loves us, he cares for us. A good father brings correction, amen? A good father tells what the next step is. Let's just go ahead and let's just pause here for a second. The word says two or three. If there's anyone else, if there's anything else that the Lord wants to say, let's just humble ourselves and give pause. Thank you, thank you. Can we, let's respond to that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So good that we don't have to have this perfected image of ourselves that we don't have to put on this fake veneer that we got it all together, we got it all figured out, but that we display humility, that we all go to the same source, that we need to humble ourselves and repent, that he doesn't expect us to be Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. And that the best thing we can do is to reflect our brokenness and humility and display what it means to return to him when we fail. Come on, this is good. Do you see what the Lord is doing in this place where there is, there is a word that is given that is corrective in nature, but it's also intending to point us to, to the truth, and then there's also an encouragement that comes with that that says, listen, I'm not calling you to perfection. I'm calling you to be with the one who is perfect. It's Jesus, that we don't have to pretend that we got it all figured out, that we could be honest and open, that the way that we reach those who don't know Jesus is not saying, look how good I am, Look how good he is. Come on, let's respond to this church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord, as we commit to this, Lord. We don't want to be these fake images of ourselves, Lord. It's not about us. It's about you, God. May you bring just humility in this place. 
And Father, with that, can freedom just just flow in this church that we don't have to pretend that we got it all figured out, that we don't have to walk into this church with a a face, a smile painted on our face and pretend that everything's okay, that we, we don't have sin, but that we could be honest and say, Lord, I need help, that we could go to our brothers and sisters and say, pray for me, I'm struggling. That this isn't a place where we can just look and say, look how great I've been, look how great you've been, but but that we could just be honest and humble before the Lord and say, God, I I need you. I need you. I don't go to church because I'm perfect. I go to church because I want to know the one who is. The world doesn't need another fake Christian. The world needs a real one who loves Jesus who, yes, strives towards holiness, but understands that we are holy because Christ is holy and that he, through his faithfulness and obedience, has given us the holiness of God as what we see in Luke's gospel, that he made him who knew no sin become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Let's praise him this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for every single person here under the sound of my voice. Thank you for this body. Thank you that you are doing a new thing at MWC, God, that you are are opening up our hearts, opening up our eyes to your Spirit's work. Father, this is about you in this place. It's about you encouraging your people, your children. Father, may every single person benefit and be blessed. God, may you encourage us as we go this week. May we spend time in your presence. May we understand that you desire to do in here what we practice at home. May we open ourselves up more and more daily to your spirit's work in our lives. Father, I pray tomorrow morning would give somebody in this place a word for their co-worker, a word that is encouraging, a word that is for their profiting, a word that is going to speak life to them. And Father, I pray that next week we would celebrate what had happened. We need you, Lord. Our eyes are opened. You are coming again. You have given us time to be your people, to bring as many as we can under the comfort, the protection of Jesus. Give us strength this week. Give us ambition. Open up our eyes. Open up our hearts. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you at Growth Track or we'll see you next week. Take care. God bless you. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way. So be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here. So we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.